Good evening, everyone. Uh, if you're visiting with us, thank you for being here with us. You're going to be blessed tonight. Uh, our speaker is James Hayes. James is from Nashville, and uh, he went graduated from Good Pastor Christian School in '95 and '99. Graduated from Lipscomb University in American Studies. He's been preaching for 22 years with three different congregations, and today he's the pulpit minister at the Liberty Hill Church of Christ in Fairview, Tennessee. Uh, he co-authored a book for teens, a, a study, a teen study of the book of Psalms uh, together with Andrew Phillips and his wife and two children, his wife Vera and Jace and Will are here and uh, they probably heard him before but they're here to support him. So Brother James, come teach you. Good evening. It's so good to be with you here at Highland Heights. According to my record, I was asked to do a week-long uh, vacation Bible school for the high school class 14 years ago for Highland Heights, and then two years after that, the summer series. I came on a Wednesday night like this and, and spoke, of course, in your, your old building, and I did so well at those two things, you waited 12 years to invite me back. And so I'm on about a 12-year rotation. I appreciate that uh, invitation. But FH uh, invited me this summer, and I'm so thankful to be back. I'm amazed at, at this facility. It's such a beautiful building and the space, and, and I know you're going to use it well. And, and the couple of years you've been in it, it's just been a, a great thing. And it's good to see uh, you doing well here in Lebanon. I hope the church continues to grow. I'm so thankful for Keith and the work he does here. I know you appreciate him as I do. Before we begin our lesson this evening, let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, you have blessed us in this life with every good and perfect gift. You have given us this day in which to live. We're thankful for the rain that you provided for, this, for Middle Tennessee last night and the last few days. And we know it's necessary for the growth of your creation. And we're, you've provided for us uh, through this uh, method of the rain and the sun, the food that we eat. And we know that we've been given every necessity of life, and you've told us through your word that that's not where we should have worry, that you will provide. And we are thankful for these blessings. We're thankful for Highland Heights. We're thankful for all of its ministers and elders and deacons and teachers and everyone who calls this church their, their church family. Bless them as they go forward to expand the kingdom. Bless all of our young people and all of us as we shine bright lights in this world and help us to do well as when we're online and using the internet and social media and things of this nature, that people can see Christ in us as we interact with the world. We know that without your son, we would be dead in our sins. Without his blood, our, saint, our sins would still stain our souls. But with his blood and his cleansing, we can stand before you clean and we're thankful for the salvation and eternal life that we have in Christ. Bless all those who are teaching around the building this evening. May all that we do be to your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are talking about the Christian and social media. And it was interesting when Brother Gates sent out the email that had the summer series listed and had the dates and the speaker and the topics. It had the name, 
the topic and a scripture associated with the topic. And every one of them, and until it came to my week, and it said the Christian social media, and there was nothing for scripture. <laughs> every other topic seemed to have a pinpointed scripture that would be very obvious uh, to associate with the topic. Uh, you open scripture, you don't find the phrase social media. You don't have the word internet. Uh, but we're thankful to have a Bible and a God to communicate to us some principles that would apply to these things, some wisdom literature in the Old Testament and Jesus' own teaching where we find principles that help us deal with things that aren't specifically mentioned in Scripture. As culture changes, as our world turns, we are going to be faced with new things that man creates and comes up with where we say, where should the Christian be in this? Where should the Christian be in this world that we live in with this thing that we've been given? Should we reject it? Should we accept it? Should we use it a certain way? What did Paul say in 1 Thessalonians 5? But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So what we're doing tonight is we're going to examine this subject carefully. Now, we're not going to say everything there is to say about social media. We're not going to hit every part of this subject. But we're going to try to look at it broadly, look at what the Bible says that we can apply to this, and, and hopefully use this as all things to the glory of God. A lot of people say, you know, I don't, I don't use social media. I'm not really a tech person. I'm not an internet person. And that is probably true. I would doubt if you told me that this evening after we dismiss, you say, well, this, you know, I'm not one of those people. I, I have a flip phone. I don't use email. I don't use any of these things. Well, that may be true, but you're affected by social media. It has saturated not just the United States, it has saturated the world. See, once upon a time, if, if you weren't somebody who read the newspaper, and you said, I, I don't read well, or I don't have time for the newspaper, or whatever it is. But if you walk by a group of people reading the newspaper, you're probably going to lean over their shoulder and say, hey, what's in the news? What's going on in the world? You seem to be really interested in what uh, is happening in the newspaper. And so they're going to say, well, this is what's happening. Well, it's very similar today for the person who says, I don't use social media well, the information is coming out through social media, information that does affect you. It does affect the people who are using it. And so we're all touched in some way by this subject. And again, so we have to look at it and say, hey, even though I don't use it every day, or maybe I use it all the time, what should I do with it as a Christian? I don't want to insult your intelligence by giving you the definition of social media. But for those of you that may not use it all the time and don't even understand that phrase, what, I know what the internet is, but what's social media? Well, maybe a good definition is here. You can find a lot of them online or come up with your own that's better than this one. But really, a, a digital channel of interactions among people in which they create, share, and shuffle different types of information. These are websites in which people show their life to other people. It's where they give their ideas about what's going on to the world. They share 
the birthday party of their five-year-old. They show the vacation they just went on. They give their opinion about politics. All of those types of, they're showing their life to the world. Some cases beyond people they know. Some cases they can limit it to only certain people, can see what they put online and so forth. But that's basically what social media is. It's, it's about sharing things with the group from your life. It's different than like a news source. Uh, the Washington Post, New York Times having a website that's just dispensing their own information like a news uh, outlet, media outlet. This is you sharing your life, putting your life out there for the world to the extent that you want to do it. So that's what we're talking about tonight. Not just the internet as a whole, but that specific part of the internet called social media. There's a lot of very shocking statistics related to social media that might blow your mind. Now these numbers are not exact and they're going to change all the time as this type of medium grows, as it's been growing for about the last 20 years. Five billion people in the world use social media, which is about 60% of the world's population. You might be surprised that the country that uses social media the most, not the United States, it's not the United Kingdom, it's not Germany, it's not one of the developed wor uh, countries of the world, it's, it's not China, it's Nigeria. So yes, social media is that pervasive that even in places like the middle of Africa, you're going to see people using social media. It is that big. 70% of Americans use social media. 7 out of 10 people. We chop up this room, 70% of the people in here have probably looked at some social media site today. The average user of social media spends 145 minutes on social media every day about two and a half hours. Two and a half hours a day, that doesn't include email. That's not including some other part of the internet that you might have to look at during the day. You might have to use the computer and be online for your job all day long, okay? We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about just social media. Two and a half hours a day, and if you keep up that pace, if you find yourself being one of those people who does it two and a half hours a day, that means that you will spend five years and four months of your life looking at social media. Five years and four months of the vapor, the Bible says, is your life. The brief whisper of a life that you have. Five years and four months, you will be staring at what somebody else wants you to see about their own life and about their own idea. Five years and four months of comparing your life to somebody else. Five years and four months of kind of being a voyeur. Voyeurs are kind of looking without permission, but this is looking at somebody's life with their permission. Five years and four months of just that type of internet use. Businesses pay over $18 billion a year to put ads on social media. If that's where all the eyeballs are, then that's where they're going to put their product. 
and that's as old as business themselves. Wherever the consumer is, wherever the people are, they're going to put an ad right there. The picture earlier of the women looking at the newspaper, newspaper full of ads. When you stop using newspapers, they're going to put it wherever the people are. So five years and four, year, five years and four months of your life so looking at social media, you're going to be bombarded with advertisements. People selling you something, a product or an idea, you're going to hear voices from other people every time you look at social media. You are looking at someone else's voice, hearing someone else's voice. Someone else saying, care about this, buy this, follow me this way. Our minds are looking at those images and hearing those voices all the time. Here are the biggest social media sites, and you've probably heard of and most likely use many of these. Facebook is the biggest. Uh, it started in 2004. 2.9 billion active users of Facebook in this world. Then YouTube. YouTube is social media. You say, I don't use social media. You ever see anything on YouTube? That's considered part of social media. 2.2 billion active users started in 2005. Instagram is, is just mainly about pictures. And that's mainly younger people are, are more apt to be on Instagram. 2 billion active users started just in 2010. TikTok is maybe the fastest growing, the latest, greatest type of social media that your children are, are interested in. Just a few years ago, this was created, a billion active users, and then Twitter, very small number compared to the rest, but Twitter really drives the news. If there's something newsworthy, then, then Twitter's the place where most people go for that, to find out, I mean, it's their news source. Many of you got up this morning, you turned on the television at five o'clock in the morning, 5.30, and channels two, four, and five, the local channels here in Nashville, and you watched the weather, the storms that came in last night, and see what the weather was going to be like, and you heard the local news. Most people don't do that today. They'll go to something like Twitter. They'll go to a social media site to find out what today is going to be like and what's on the schedule and, and what's the new, what happened last night. They're going to scroll back and see what was posted. Notice these dates. All very new. And in that short amount of time, 60% of the world is using it. It's amazing. Some of you have used that telephone. I'm 46 years old. My family had a rotary telephone at one point. We had this one and we had another one in the house. And you hated all your friends who had a zero in their phone number. Because you had to really get that one all the way around to make the phone call. But think about a world that I knew that somebody called and if you had a phone call, they wanted to talk to you, they had to call that phone or a phone like it. We had the, the digital phones later and you had to talk. Okay, talking makes sound, right? Makes noise. 
And so mom and dad can hear that conversation, or you wanted to hide, you wanted the, the phone with a really long cord, right, so you could have some privacy. You could wrap it around the door, and you could hide it somewhere else, and you talk to somebody. So it was a big deal, and, and mom and dad might answer the phone when the phone rang, and so they know who you're talking to. All those social media sites are dead silent. This doesn't make sound when you're moving your thumbs, sending a message to somebody. Doesn't make a sound scrolling through on your computer, your laptop, or on your phone. Nobody can hear. Nobody else is involved in that. Just you doing those things, or your 13-year-old doing those things, or your 14-year-old not making a sound. Phone doesn't ring. No conversation. It's all pipe. This was a common picture that you might have seen back in those days. You had a photo album, right? You went down, you took pictures on the film, and you took it down to the store, and they've developed them, and they sent them back, and you put your pictures in a photo album, and you looked at a picture like this, and they said, that's, you know, that's Aunt Sharon, and I think, let's see, and that might be her husband in the background, I can't really tell, and whose car was that, I'm not really sure, and why did, they forgot to write the date on the back, and now we don't know who it is, and don't know what year it was, and you try to, it's like CSI to figure out who's in the picture, and what event it was. That's the way pictures used to be. Somebody, a comedian once said, he's, he said back, he said, when I was growing up, we had three pictures of my grandfather. And he was angry in every picture. He said, and so we, we kept those pictures and preserved them because, you know, here's the evidence that this, who this man looked like. I, my grandfather my, was, was 51, uh, 51 years old when my dad was born. And there are about five or six pictures that we have of my grandfather, my dad's father. That's it. And this comedian said, one of these days, somebody's going to say, hey, do you want to see 10,000 pictures of your grandfather? <laughs> because we have the camera on the phone. And we put them on these social media sites, and it just logs all the pictures, and it stamps a date on it, and it stamps a time on it. And... It's, you can just take pictures all day long. You don't have to go get them developed. You don't have to drive down the road and, and pay, and then you get the pictures back and all those sorts of things. Then television. Some of you remember black and white television. I'm not going to stare at anybody by saying that, but you know who you are. You remember a black and white television? You remember a color television? Then you remember these types of these huge televisions that we have today and said, well, you know, nothing's bigger than television. No, the Internet's much bigger than television. If you have teenagers in your house, it's very likely that there is not a single television show they watch. There's not a single television show that's just on television, 30-minute show, hour show, that you know, comes on on Thursday night, they want to watch it, and get home, hey, we gotta get home to watch the show. No, see all those squares on that television? These are streaming sites. These are internet shows that, you can, that are projected on the television, you watch on the television, but it's all about the internet. About the only thing you're gonna watch live or they wanna watch live are sports. But 
these are the changes that have happened almost overnight in our culture and how we consume entertainment, how we communicate with other people. And it's not going away. It's the new world. And you may not use it, but you've been affected by it in some way. So the question is, well, so what? What does this have to do with anything? Okay, times change. You know, Henry Ford once said, he said, if I would ask the people what they wanted, they'd have said a faster horse. I gave them a car. They didn't ask for a car, I gave it to them. The only thing they knew was a horse. We got a car and we like cars. We bought them, we drove them. Internal combustion engines, and now what do we have? Electric cars. We'll see 50 years from now what that looks like. Washboards turned into washing machines and dryers and all those sorts of things. Say, time changes, hey, and this is America, this is innovation, this is what we do. We make bigger and better things. Well, how about two-thirds of adolescents were polled once in a a very big survey of a Forbes magazine and Two-thirds of them said they feel worse about themselves after using social media. Two-thirds. It did not help them feel better about themselves. Now you see, see that statistic say, well, then my child's never going to get on social media. Do I really want to roll the dice that they're going to be part of that one-third who's going to use it to, in a way that will make them feel good about themselves? I'm going to let my child have something like that. Where else in the world would you go and look at those statistics and say, two-thirds of a chance my child will feel worse by using this and say, yeah, let's do that. Now, you'll see by the end of this, I'm not saying to run and make sure your children are not on social media. Just something to think about. In 2020, a third of all behavior petitions, in the United States we call those divorce decrees, it's very similar, in the United Kingdom included the word Facebook. It's a way to explain why you want to divorce this person. And a third of them said it's because of something that happened on Facebook. It's why we're getting divorced. And it went on to describe, and I read the rest of the study, it said, it was, my, my spouse belittles me to the world on Facebook. They met somebody through Facebook. I, I found out about some secret financial situation they had through Facebook. They listed all these things that all went back to using this product. Between 2015 and 2018, the National Human Trafficking Hotline documented almost 1,000 cases of potential sex trafficking victims who were recruited through social media. This movie Sound of Freedom is out now. Saw it last night. It's all about this subject. They're gonna use social media, they're gonna use the internet because it's very quiet to hunt children So if you're going to ask, so what, there's your answer. This is something that we need to think about as Christians. 
What about the Christian? What about my story? I don't know why I remember the things I remember, and you probably don't know why you remember certain things that you remember, just random conversations that you might have with somebody. I can take you to the spot in the year 2008 when I was playing golf with a friend of mine named Danny, and Danny said, you need to get on Facebook. I had heard of it, but I said, why on earth is that, would that be any profit for me to be on Facebook? Facebook started in 2004. A guy named Mark Zuckerberg, who started while he was at Harvard, and it was a way for college kids to interact with each other from different campuses. And so they could find somebody they wanted to date or they wanted to hang out with. And so you had to have an email address that ended with .edu. You had to be a college student to, to use it. And it took off like wildfire. It was a huge success in one year. And so then they finally stopped requiring having a .edu website, I mean, email address. And so it became the coolest thing that young people could do. And everybody in their 20s had this thing called Facebook. And so Danny started to, to describe it to me in more detail. He says, look, you can, you know, remember these people you graduated with from high school? So at the time, I was in my early 30s. He said, he said you can see what they're doing. You can stay in touch. And still, I, was, I, don't, I don't know this, so I, I, but I get on it in 2008, or in the summer of 2008, right at the election time, the hottest part of the election, John McCain, Barack Obama. And in the 80s and 90s, I was eaten up with politics. Loved it. I would have thought by the time I was 46, I would have tried to be elected to something. And so I was eaten up with it. And so all of a sudden, here's Facebook, and they had this part of it called Notes. And it was like your own little personal diary or blog, whatever you want to call it. And I thought, this is the greatest thing in the world, so I'm just throwing out my opinion about everything. Right there in the middle of the election time. And because everybody that saw what I was writing was my age or younger, I was old for being in my 30s to be on Facebook. I wasn't quite cool enough to be on Facebook in those days. And so this went on for a while, and all of a sudden, more and more people got on it, and older and older people got on it, and people who were members of my church got on it, and people who I hadn't seen in forever, and people who I barely knew, as those of you that have Facebook know how that works. And I started seeing that, wait a minute, I don't know that this is, the way I'm doing this is very good. It's not very helpful. And I started noticing that people are commenting on what I'm writing who are supposed to be my friends, but they're pretty, being pretty hostile about it. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought this was supposed to be everybody's on the same page and these are your friends and we all hold hands and sing kumbaya, but it wasn't the case. And unfortunately, I would sort of respond in kind to a lot of those comments and get in some pretty back and forth discussions with people. And then finally one day I said, okay, I'm not doing it this way anymore. I've got to use this thing differently because this is not helping me or anybody else for me to use it like this. I, I, I'm getting a little too involved, and I'm caring a little bit too much about things I shouldn't care about. And I've got too much on my plate to spend mental energy on the fact that somebody just has a different opinion than I have. 
So I'm thankful that I made some changes. And I'm not standing before you today saying that I use all these things perfectly. That I involve myself even today in a way that I should. I don't know. But we just asked the question, what are the Christian principles that apply to this? And this will be the remainder of our time this evening. You know Colossians 3.16, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That includes social media. You're a representative of Christ in everything that you do, everywhere you go, everything you say. Does it sound and look like Jesus? This is what you ask when you're about to involve yourself with social media. Is it sound like Jesus and does it look like Jesus? But the problem here that cre gets created is, is the problem with typing. As I said in the beginning, this is a typing sort of medium. You're, you're putting words out there. Well, if I'm standing in front of you and you say something to me, I can read your body language, I can read your eyes, I can read your emotion. You can look me in the eye or you can look at the floor. I can tell if you're being sarcastic or telling a joke. Can't do that with typing. Now they've added these things called emojis, you know, these facial expressions to put with what you wrote so the person will get the idea of why you wrote it. A little smiley face or a little angry face or something like that. Still doesn't work. Why? They can be lying. They're not crying about this, but if I type it, they don't, they don't see me. They don't see my emotions. They don't see if I really care. I can put all the little emojis and I can say the right words, but that may not be at all what I really think and feel. It's helpful, but... So we have to be extremely careful with words on the Internet that goes to somebody else that we're saying exactly what we mean and in the tone that we should mean it. Proverbs 15.1 and James 3.5, you know very well. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.1, James 3 and verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. You want to see a fire in real time, stir up a little bit of anger with a comment on the internet, on social media. See somebody get criticized and belittled. See what happens. Fires rush all over the internet and all over social media every day. Christians shouldn't do that. The Bible tells us not to. Read the rest of James chapter 3. It's all about how dangerous our voice, our words can be. We are speaking when we're online. We're speaking through social media. But of course, the second thing is, so we think about, does, is what I'm saying going to bring light or heat? See, I mentioned earlier about I wasn't using it very well because a lot of times I was bringing more heat than light. I was lobbing more grenades than holding out a hand for a handshake. It's what you're saying, bringing light to a dark situation, or are you bringing heat? And that's the problem when we can talk about politics. Again, guilty. 
It's interesting that so many people believe they can check their faith at the door when it comes to politics. When it comes to the words we say and the manner in which we say them, it's, well, if I'm in the political realm, then all those things don't apply to me. I can say whatever I want to anybody because, after all, my side is right. And I'll say, and, and they're wrong, and so I'm going to make sure they know they're wrong. And if I have to call names, if I have to belittle to get the last word, that's what I'm going to do. So that's the problem in that aspect of this part of these issues biblically is, is the political things that people involve themselves with online. Are you stirring up anger? Or are you being the peacemaker? Proverbs 23 and verse 23, Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. See, number three, we think, what I'm doing online, does it present truth? Am I telling the truth? Am I being a truth teller with what I put in social media? And the problem that comes up with that is bias. has a lot of elements in the political part with our biases, but we can be biased in anything. What about your family? What about your career? What about your car? <laughs> what about the, your house? We have all kinds of biases. But we're told to be truth-tellers and be truth-tellers in love. And so we look online and we say, am, am I presenting the truth? Or am I simply sharing something from my side of the argument without really trying to find out if it's true or not? We think everything that's on my side of the issue is pure as it can be, and anything on that side of the issue is inherently wrong and false. So I'm going to do research, they say. Most people's research is to run to their bias and find more information to share. It's not really a lot of research. And it may be nowhere near the truth, but it's more of what you already believe. We have to be people who tell the truth online, on social media. And if we're not sure, and if we're not 100% positive, you don't have to tell it. The fourth thing, and then we'll come to a conclusion. What did Jesus say in Matthew 18, verse 7? This is Jesus. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks, for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. You see here, when we put things online, the question is, does it give Satan a win? Everything you do in life is either a step toward Christ or it's a step toward Satan. There's no third option. 
To be a disciple of Christ is you're going to go where Jesus went. He put his foot down, you put your foot in his footprint. To follow him. There's no other way. So when we put things on social media, is it giving Satan a win? Is it something moving in his direction or in Christ's direction? If it's moving in Satan's direction, it is a stumbling block for somebody else. It is putting something in the way of somebody's relationship with the Lord, something for them to trip over, something that will prohibit them from having that right relationship with their Savior. And this is what Jesus thinks about that. Our influence is projected every day. We talk about influence and peer pressure and all those sorts of things to our young people, and we think that all that runs out when they turn 18 or 19 or 20. You have influence till the day you die. And five billion people are putting their influence online and social media every day. And the problem in that aspect with social media are the, the photos, the pictures. Because that's just an image somebody can look at and, make, and draw a conclusion and be influenced in a second. And some people will have no problem with putting bad language on social media because some people have the idea that again this is just this playground that is outside the realm of our faith and no I wouldn't say that in front of my parents or in front of the elder or in front of the preacher or in front of this oh but I'll put it online because that's what all the cool kids are doing or I'll put it online because that's what all my friends at work do, and, and that's makes, making sure that I'm still acceptable to them. And there's bad language, there's alcohol, there's some level of nudity, whatever the case may be. Is any of that a step in the direction of Christ, or is that a step in the direction of Satan? And Satan is going to do whatever he can do to use social media to pull people in his direction. You see, social media fuels envy. Probably somebody in this room that has been pulled into that sin because of what they saw on social media. Jealousy is about attention. Envy is about things. Jealousy is about attention. Envy is I want what you have. The, the item, jealousy is about, I want the attention that you're getting. Some people look at things on social media and they say it just fuels jealousy. I wish I had the amount of attention that person's getting. We have conspiracy theories running all over social media. We have self-promotion. This may be the biggest issue regarding social media. Look at me. Waving my arms in the air. Everybody, look at me. Look at this thing, look at this idea, whatever it is, the promotion of self. But the Apostle Paul traveled on Roman roads when he spread the gospel. The Romans had conquered the Greeks by the time Jesus came into the world, as you know, and the Romans built a very 
elaborate highway system, the Appian Way being the biggest of those. Secular people, people who believed in false gods, built those roads, and Paul traveled on them to spread the gospel. People who are not members of the church develop these social media sites, and we can use them to spread the gospel. We can use them to share good things. We can use them to spread the kingdom. We can use them to give encouragement to people. We can say thank you for this avenue that we can use. Highland Heights Church has a website. I'm sure you're all very thankful. That gets news around to these members quicker. Live streaming, all the things that we're able to do in this room and how much it's how good how much good it's done for this congregation over the years. So we end tonight just simply by saying your social media presence is just a giant billboard to the world. It's just like renting a billboard, putting it up, and saying, this is me. And are they going to know Jesus through you and how they use social media, how you use social media? Remember what Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who's in heaven. Are they going to see your good works on social media? Are they going to know God a little bit better and know his son a little bit better or just know good things better so that they'll do them and they'll say this is the better way? All that can be done through you. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this time. We're thankful for this opportunity this evening. Help us to shine bright light wherever we go. Help us to speak the name of Christ boldly and always see others, no matter who they are, online or anywhere else, as made in your image, your creation, and see them as people to serve and glorify you. Continue to bless us this evening. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.